For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back in. You have not heard from us on the Unreasonable Odds podcast in a while. It's good to be back recording on Wednesday, August 31st, a day ahead of week one of college football. I'm your host, Julian Edlow. You can follow me on Twitter at Julian Edlow. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Unreasonable Odd. No room for that S there. Um, And we're back because college football is back. I will say real quick, next week on Tuesday, we are bringing back the NFL podcast uh, to look into week one. Um, And the podcast is going to be coming back Tuesdays and Thursdays during football season with the return of my co-host, Steve Buchanan, who you have not heard from since our Super Bowl podcast. So it's been a while, um, but it's good to have football back. And that means a lot more of the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings coming to you. And for the occasion, we're going to do all college football in this podcast, focus on week one, maybe get into some leftover future value, some Heisman value, whatever we want to touch on on the board later. Uh, we're bringing in Adam Burke from VEASAN. You can find him on Twitter at Skating Tripods. Adam, welcome into the Unreasonable Odds podcast. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. Good to be here. Happy to be on the week one show after a very interesting week zero and Look, looking forward to a lot of games here that are coming up this weekend. So before we we plug a couple things and before we we uh, get into the week one card, I just want to ask you real quick, any takeaways from the week zero card? I think the major one publicly was Scott Frost, Scott Frosting again and losing Nebraska a, a big game. They have a lofty seven and a half win total this year. They go out as double-digit uh, double digit favorites in, in Ireland and blow a game against Northwestern, change the whole momentum of the game on a weirdly timed onside kick. Um, and anything outside of that, that game for Nebraska that kind of caught your attention moving forward in Week 0? Well, there are a couple of teams that played in Week 0 that I'm on in Week 1, so we'll save those for a little bit later on in the show. Uh, the Nebraska thing is fascinating. I, I I didn't bet them last week, but I kind of fell for it in terms of the way I was putting together my thoughts for the season where, you know, they upgraded quarterback with Casey Thompson. At least I think he's an upgrade over Adrian Martinez. They bring in Mark Whipple as the OC. You figure the offense will look a little more efficient, a little more uh, connected because they were very disjointed under Martinez. But that was just more of the same. Two interceptions for Thompson. Frost makes a terrible decision on special teams. They've been a bad team on special teams pretty much throughout his tenure. Uh, that seat was very, very hot on that long flight back from Dublin. Uh, we can definitely mm-hmm. say that. The other thing that was really interesting to me, uh, last weekend was contest weekend here out in Las Vegas. So a lot of people in and out of town, a lot of get-togethers, uh, open bars, dinners, all those kinds of things. And I had the chance to go out with um, you know, a, a very, very sharp group of guys, including an odds maker. And we were talking about the Vanderbilt and Hawaii line. And a lot of odds makers around town basically had that game line to pick them. You know, I had Vanderbilt minus two in my power ratings, made an adjustment to Hawaii because I saw the line movement, had it minus four. Game runs all the way out to nine and a half. 
and Vanderbilt was the right side throughout the entire game. So Hawaii must be really, really awful, and somebody must have known that a lot better than other people in the industry. But we were all kind of baffled by that line going all the way out to nine and a half. But Vanderbilt not only played up to expectations, they also exceeded them. <clears throat> they did. Um, and, you know, a lot of those those uh, Mountain West teams with some low unders, I'm on a few of them this year. One of them is Hawaii under four and a half, and that's a team that plays 13 games, and you're getting an under four and a half there. I have Nevada under five. They won, but they were they won the turnover battle five to nothing and looked dreadful moving the ball. They've already Texas State's already been hammered against them. That's that's a pick 'em now. And then that Wyoming team that got smoked by Illinois. I'm on them under five. They came out and uh, not looking good out of the gate. And then you got a game that you know opened a near pick 'em with Tulsa. Now Tulsa's laying nearly a touchdown in that one against Wyoming. So a lot of reactions from week zero heading into week one. Um, <clears throat> so we'll get to week one in a second. I want to start by saying you were one of the contributors for VEASAN that helped put together the VEASAN uh, college football betting guide, which um, I was sent along a copy, all 330 uh, digital pages of it. Um, flipped through it, wrote, wrote some re a reaction piece to it up on our, our DK playbook. Um, just kind of going through some of my, some of my takeaways, uh, some of the consensus picks, some of the best bets that, that caught my eye. Um, do you want to, do you want to give us a quick pitch, I guess, on, on why people should be getting this visa betting guide? You still got time before week one to get in here, fly through it and, uh, really educate yourself, not just on week one, but on this entire college football season. Yeah, it's a great time to subscribe over at vcin.com. We got a lot of new content that we're rolling out here for this season. And, and as you mentioned, you know, we previewed all 131 teams in that college football betting guide, had some feature articles to go along with best bets as well. Our NFL guide came out last Thursday. So, you know, obviously we're all looking forward to that season here starting in about a week. So you can get both of those over at vcin.com along with everything that we do throughout the football season or for the next year, which will include my MLB guide when baseball season rolls back around college basketball, NBA, NHL betting guides, all kinds of really good stuff that comes as part of your subscription package uh, over there at the website. But as far as college football goes, I wrote 49 of the team previews myself. And then for the NFL, I did NFC West and also a win total tiers piece. Uh, so you know, it helps me. It helps me get prepared for the season to write all that stuff out. And I guarantee it'll help everybody else get prepared for the season as well, specifically with college where it's hard to know about 131 teams. So, you know, it if you is. can read that guide, pick it up, take a look at it, you know, you can get yourself a little bit of information on everybody out there and, you know, maybe find yourself some winners early on in the season as a result. I will say it's cool to just kind of go through and see that whole panel of, of college football experts that you guys have at VEASAN and see where there's some, some consensus. So for example, I'll use this to, to give out one future bet before we uh before we get going in terms of week one plays there were some consensus picks in terms of division and conference winners um everybody had georgia winning the sec east everybody had alabama winning the sec west and shocking the, and right the, what's up shocking right yes very shocking and i believe alabama to win the conference as well was consensus and then Ohio State to win their division and uh, Big Ten Conference was consensus. I'm not sure if any other sports books are allowing betters to do this at the moment. When I wrote my article on this, you weren't able to. 
I, when we got divisions up on DK Sportsbook, I asked if we could get the option to parlay them and um, got a yes on that. So if you're going to eat chalk, you don't always want to eat chalk, but if you're going to stuff your face with some chalk on a future, Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State, just to win their divisions, don't have to win their conference, win their divisions, was there at minus 125 on DK Sportsbook. I think it's ticked up to minus 128. This just some really bad things are going to have to happen for this not to get there. And I know you'll see on the games we're going to talk about that Adam circled, you know, you're not afraid to go into some of these games that no, not many people are going to be watching on Saturday. But if you're going to chase some of these, some of these big name teams, I assume uh, no, no pushback from you on this one, Adam. No, none whatsoever. I mean, look, I, I have Georgia at least a seven and a half point favorite over anybody else in the country. And they're number three in my power ratings behind Ohio state and Alabama. So it would take a lot. I mean, there's a chance that any one of those teams slips up once, but slipping up twice probably doesn't happen. And so, 10 and 2 still, I mean, maybe Michigan can get a team like Ohio State if they slip up twice, but like a, a 10 and 2 for Georgia still probably wins you your division. Right. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, I will say this. I, the SEC East is better. I mean, it's definitely stronger than it was last season. South Carolina looks poised to take a leap. Florida will at least be better coached and not really have a dark cloud kind of hanging over them. Um, obviously, a lot of people like Tennessee this year, but Georgia is still the class of that division. Alabama is still the class of the SEC West. And for Ohio State, and the Big Ten East, I mean, I don't know how they don't score 40 points per game this year, if not more. So I agree with you. I think it would take something very, very strange happening uh, for the, for that parlay not to come through. So you, you just kind of teed one up. So I'll start by giving out a week one uh, play and then we'll, we'll go to one of yours. Cause I bet this one on Wednesday morning, I've been waiting for it all summer, but team totals are out on DraftKings Sportsbook. You just mentioned Ohio state scoring 40 points a game. 38 and a half is the team total on the Ohio state Buckeyes hosting the Notre Dame Irish uh, I'm on the over. I put it out on Twitter. I'm going to add it to my best bets article for week one. <clears throat> this Buckeyes offense, I know Utah was, you know, banged up in the secondary for that Rose Bowl game. But th that was just a glimpse of what this offense is going to be this season um, with all of those those key contributors and the two receivers that got drafted in the first round didn't play in that Rose Bowl game. That was just a glimpse of what this Ohio State offense is going to be this season with all those key guys uh, a year older. N nothing about the Notre Dame defense is going to gonna scare me off of this one. They're fine. They're, I, I, they're a little weak in the secondary from what I understand, which is great. Plays right into C.J. Stroud throwing bombs to these receivers. Um, is this something that uh, any, any feel for the total in this game or the team total uh, when it comes to Ohio State-Notre Dame? I mean, look, I think if you got – you're not going to get Ohio State at 38-and-a-half every game, but anything under 40 – Might not get them under 40 again this year. <laughs> pro probably isn't a bad bet. I mean, look, I was telling anybody that would listen last season that Jackson Smith and Jigbo would be the best NFL wide receiver out of that group, and that was long before the historic day that he had in the Rose Bowl. Uh, that yeah. kid is just – you can line him up in the slot, you can put him outside, you can put him wherever you want to, and C.J. Stroud will find him. And the sick thing is, and I am admittedly, I am an Ohio State fan, so I, I thoroughly enjoy watching this team. Okay. But, you know, they lose Olave and Garrett Wilson, two top 15 picks, and their wide receiver room might even be better this year, which is simply ludicrous to think about. Brian Hartline is the single best position coach and possibly recruiter in the country. 
for what he continues to get here with Ohio State. The only thing I worry about with a team total here is if the defense is improved as advertised under Jim Knowles, and this is a route, you know, maybe we kind of see C.J. Stroud sit in the fourth quarter or something like that, although that may not even matter. Uh, I, Ohio State, look, I think that last year losing to that team up north and then you know the defensive performance they had in the Rose Bowl that was a wake-up call for Ryan Day, I think. And yeah. I think this team, I think they win it all, frankly. I think anybody that got 6-1, to one, I know there was 8-1 to one the night of the championship game last year. Anybody that's sitting on those numbers has a really, really good bet. Uh, they are on a mission this season, and I think we see it right away in week one. Agreed. Um, I will say real quick, we're running a couple of promos for this game, the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Um, on DraftKings Sportsbook. The first one brought to you by Mike Gola Jr. Just opt in and receive a 25% profit boost on a pregame bet. So whatever, you can use it on the team total for Ohio State if you want. Get a 25% profit boost. It's sitting at minus 105. So now you're getting yourself well into plus money if you wanted to play that or if you wanted to to lay some points, whatever. Um, and then at, when you opt in, you also get a 25% profit boost on a, a, a live bet during that game. Max bet for both of them is 50 bucks. But if you're going to be betting that game, you might as well opt in. You can only use the pregame one if you want. But if you do wind up getting in on something live, there'll be another 25% boost waiting for you there. Um, the other one is to bet $50 or more on the spread and you get a $6 free bet for each touchdown that that team scores. So I'm thinking that if you lay the points with Ohio State and we think that they're going to be scoring well into the 40s, scoring whatever, six, seven touchdowns, now you're getting back almost all your money in free bets. That's the way I would think of it. I like the first promo better. Go get yourself a profit boost, but those are both, uh, both sitting there for you on DK Sportsbook if you want to take advantage of them. Um, all right, Adam, I'm going to kick it to you for a week one play. I see the first one that you sent me here. Um, let's actually start with a, a team that we've seen. Illinois is a team that we've seen. You hinted playing some teams that we've seen. Talk to me about this Illinois-Indiana game uh, in, in week one. Yeah, so I think it's very challenging, you know, with a lot of the lines here for week one because they've been out forever. I mean, these lines have been out for months, and we're still seeing some movement now, now that sports books have kind of increased their limits and all of that. But it can be tough to kind of find some line value, find some line equity with these numbers that have been out there for a while. And and this is one that I actually played prior to last week, so I got a little bit better of a number. I got Illinois at three and a half as opposed to the three that's out there now because I was initially high on this team anyway. I think Tommy DeVito is a really nice addition coming over from Syracuse. Chase Brown is a very good running back, and he'll become a household name this season, uh, at least you know, kind of based on what we saw last year. Then, of course, the performance against Wyoming. But I have this game line to pick them, you know, and, and I'm getting three points with Illinois here. And it's actually a scenario where teams that play in week zero against teams that didn't play are actually at a disadvantage because right. the team that didn't play has film on them. Uh, my buddy Ralph Michaels tweeted this out. It's actually about 44% ATS uh, for a team that played in week zero, that played a game against a team that didn't play a game. But I don't think it matters here. I think Illinois is just much improved. Brett Bielema's team was much improved offensively and defensively last year. I would expect more of the same this season. And I don't know what the direction is of the Indiana Hoosiers right now. I know they're usually a pretty good defensive team there with Tom Allen, but they lose Micah McFadden. They lose Raheem Lane. So their two top tacklers from last year are gone. I don't like anything about the offense. I don't really like Connor Basilak, who transfers in from Missouri. I'll take Illinois plus the three here. I don't know if I even need the points. I think they may win this game outright. 
but I do have it lined as a pick em, so I figure getting the three and a half that I got last week or the three that's available now is a pretty good look. I think you're on the right side of that one. Um, I, I do, even though, like you said, you're you're playing a team that uh, is technically at a disadvantage because they have played and their opponent has has film on them. So I'm going to go to the other side of, of that trend and uh, give out a play on a team that does have some film on their opponent, and that would be Appalachian State. Um, I got in on them at plus three, but when I wrote them up in my article, it had already crept to two, so I just played them on the money line. Um, and then I added a half unit on the money line while watching the UNC game on Saturday night because they did not look good. UNC is a team that I'm on under seven and a half for their win total um, for the season. One of my bigger bets, and I'm, I'm pretty happy about where that stands, even with a obviously expected 1-0 start. Um, App State now has some film on, on UNC from that week zero game where, yeah, they won big, but they didn't come close to covering against a, a – bad team that was without like 20 players um they should have just you know that should have been like a 52 to 7 type of of game in my opinion if unc was gonna be anything real this season now they go to app state a week one road game at boone gonna be a wild atmosphere against a really good team solid defense solid secondary to go up against that unc passing game and drake may who looked like a good capable quarterback a great running game for App State. Last time these two teams played was at UNC in 2019. App State, similar price dog, pulled the road upset. And that was against a UNC team that had Sam Howell, Javante Williams, Mike Carter, um, Daz Newsom, like a really good offense that this current team doesn't have. So um, I'm good with this one up to a pick. Um, it's it's touch to pick them at DK Sportsbook. I think it's back to like one, one and a half. Um, App State's even money at the moment on the money line. I, w- I would take that. I-, I like them a lot in this game, Adam. Yeah, my line's App State minus two and a half in this one, although that is just Beautiful. home field advantage because I actually have North Carolina a very, very slight favorite on a neutral field. But I still think this App State team, really, really strong, two-headed monster at running back with Noel and Peoples. Really, to me, this game is about Chase Bryce. Does he take care of the football for Appalachian State? If he does, I think they're in great shape here because they can play from in front because they just run the football so effectively yeah. and so well. And UNC doesn't have a good defense. And maybe first-year D.C. Charlton Warren will help them, but they gave up 4.7 yards per carry last year, gave up over 30 points per game for the third time in five seasons. One of the seasons they didn't, I believe, was actually the COVID-shortened year. So... I just don't think much of this Tar Heels defense, and I think that'll be their issue here more than anything in this game where they won't be able to stop App State's rushing attack. And I'll be really curious to see what this does going forward for both of these teams, because if we get another bad data point from North Carolina, they're going to drop in the minds of odds makers and betters. And if we get a really good data point for App State, they may be overvalued a little bit in a Sunbelt East division that is absolutely stacked. So not only am I interested in this game because I do like App State a little bit, but I'm also trying to build a future portfolio of these teams with these early games that we're seeing. I like that look. I like that look um, in terms of what this will mean for the future. Um, let's go to some other games that you you sent me here for week one. Uh, you got Old Dominion here. This is, not going to lie, not a game that I've looked into too much, but that's probably why you found some value in it. 
Yeah, so for me, you know, my thought process is usually to look at the group of five because I feel like it's just a, a less efficient market. It, it's certainly inefficient early on in the season where you get a lot of turnover, transfer portal, coaching changes, all those different types of things. And in this game, we got a pretty classic case here of a team that has a lot of continuity and returning production against a team that doesn't. And the team that has the returning production and the continuity is the underdog here in Old Dominion. And I'm always fascinated by these games where Big Brother goes on the road to play Little Brother. I wish this would happen more. I think it's great for college football. We just talked about a game with it with North Carolina and App State. But I give Vatek a lot of credit here for making that trek out to Norfolk. I don't know if they're driving or flying. It's a five-hour drive if they're driving. But, you know, you got first-time head coach here in Brent Pry, and you got Ricky Ronnie on the other side for Old Dominion, who they didn't play in 2020. So Ronnie was just able to coach up his team however they got together in practice or meetings or whatever else. And they started slow in 2021, but then rattled off five straight wins to make it to a bowl game. They were one of the youngest teams in the country in 2019. They're one of the most experienced teams now in 2022 off of last year and just the players that have been around the program. So I like Hayden Wolf, the quarterback. They've got a thousand yard rusher and a thousand yard receiver back from last year. And for Virginia Tech, new quarterback comes in and Grant Wells that I'm not a huge fan of. I just think Old Dominion catching more than a touchdown here is just too big of a number. Seven and a half is kind of the prevailing number out there. I have it more like five and a half. I don't know if Old Dominion wins the game, but I certainly think that they keep this thing very, very close and look pretty good here against a Hokies team that is just a massive question mark coming into the year. Uh, yeah, I do know, you know, a lot of sharp betters that I, I respect are not a lot, a handful of them. Um, are fading Virginia Tech one way or another this season, whether it be on the win total um, or just planning to go against them in, in terms of sides. Um, let's talk one last side that uh, that you did send me here, and uh, that would be FAU. Yeah, so FAU, again, a team that did play last week, so Ohio does have some tape on them. But yep. I'm very low on the Bobcats for this season. I mean, look, I have them a dog on a neutral field to Charlotte, and FAU just hung 43 points and beat Charlotte by 30. So in terms of the fact that these are kind of comparable teams from a strength standpoint, I do like FAU, even though they're laying four points going on the road to Athens here. I really like their offensive coordinator, Brent Deerman. And that's a piece I wrote over the offseason over at vston.com, looking at some teams that had offensive coordinator changes. Now, I didn't mention Dearman because I actually kind of wanted to keep that one under wraps a little bit because I think FAU with Nikosi Perry, a former top 20 quarterback recruit, former Miami Hurricane, that yeah. offense has some upside. And I think Dearman can bring it out of them. So that's a team that I'm actually looking to play a fair amount here early on in the season and specifically here in this game against Ohio where – I know people can look at Ohio and say, okay, well, you know, Frank Solich stepped out over the summer last year. Things were in a massive state of flux. They just didn't start the season well, didn't finish well. They'll be better this year. That's a possibility. But I think FAU is just far and away the more talented team, much better at the quarterback position. And we've seen this line go from kind of minus one, minus one and a half out to four. I actually have it lined FAU minus six. So I think it's still a little bit cheap out there in the marketplace. I'll go ahead and take the Owls. It's a weird road trip going up to Athens. Uh, it's a great party school. Should be a decent atmosphere for the first game. But I think FAU is just too good here for an Ohio team that all they can do is run the football. And their top running back, he's out for the year. That was announced a couple of days ago. They lost their leading rusher from last year, lost their second leading rusher in Armani Rogers, the transfer quarterback from UNLV. So I just think Ohio is very, very neutered offensively. They're very one-dimensional. I like FAU to take care of business here, lay in the four. 
I like that one. I think you sold me on that side. I was looking at FAU a little bit after what they were able to do in that that week zero game. And then I just had some hesitation, not knowing as much about Ohio, thinking mm, maybe I don't want to play one of these week zero teams given the trend. But like you said, you know, when something's hitting 43% of the time, it doesn't mean they're all losers. It just means you got to pick your spots and find your spots. And it seems like you, you kind of were able to do that with that one. Um, before we talk some of the, some of the bigger games, um, you got to play here on the, Army and Coastal total. Uh, you want to break this one down before we, we get to some of the bigger games? Well, this is one that I would classify as as more of a lean for right now. Um, okay. Total 53 and a half for that one. But something I actually read today that kind of made me wonder a little bit about Army's offensive production this game is that NCAA changed the cut block rules for this season. So now you can't really cut a guy outside the tackle box, and there are a couple of other things that are, you know, really only linemen can cut guys, stuff like that. So there are some things here for Army, you know, based on their triple option attack that are kind of worrisome now going into this game where we'll see how it's called. We'll see if the rule is called and interpreted correctly. But that's something that could hurt Army. And, in fact, I saw a Bill Connolly article from back in 2018. The last time that there were some changes to the cut block rules, the option offenses had a much lower success rate early on as they kind of tried to adjust. So kind of a little bit soured on Army now at this point in time. I'm higher on Coastal than most of the people that I know. I am right on the market number here of two and a half, but I think Coastal's ceiling is higher than people are giving it credit for. I love the offense. I love the scheme. It's very, very hard to defend. They create a lot of mismatches on the outside. So I think Coastal could look pretty good in this game, and I've kind of pivoted more from the over to maybe just taking coastal minus the two and a half. So that's what I'll decide on a little bit later on in the week, sort of see where that number goes and read up more on that rule change. But I think it's a very, very intriguing. Uh, we'll call it group of five, even though army is an independent team, a very intriguing group of five game here in week one. All right, there we go. Um, let's move on to some of these Saturday games before we touch on, uh, you know, this five day slate really that we have, even though some of the days are only one game. Hey, that's, that's a day of college football, or at least a night of college football um, over this Labor Day weekend that we get to watch. We talked about one of the Saturday night primetime games, that being Ohio state and Notre Dame, where we both seem to be aligned that one way or another, Ohio state is going to put up a lot of points and uh, give it to Notre Dame pretty good in, in this game. Um, which if you look at the betting splits, I've tweeted out the betting splits, by the way, from DraftKings Sportsbook. That's another thing that you can find on the VEASAN website um, as, as well. A lot of tickets on Notre Dame, and yet this number just keeps creeping towards Ohio State. Um, I, I would be petrified to be taking Notre Dame at, at any number in, in this game, given the, the, the way that this spread has gone. Another very public play, and this time I am on the public side, although I got it early, Saturday night primetime, Utah goes to the Swamp. Um, Utah, the one and two start last year, and then they go to Cam Rising and get the boost they needed. He went uh, nine and two, I think it was. Um, that includes the Rose Bowl loss to Ohio State, which they arguably should have won, but came undone in, in the second half with a running back playing in the secondary against that Ohio state passing game. That's not going to work. Um, uh, Utah is, you know, if you've read my content on the DK playbook this year, uh, I'm over eight and a half wins. I have Utah to reach the PAC 12 title game. I have Utah to win the PAC 12 title game. 
I took a stab on them at plus 550 to make the college football playoff, which pretty much means one way or another, I think they can get to 12 and one or have the potential to get to 12 and one and get ahead of a team like a Georgia or a Clemson in the national rankings. Um, you know, it's up to two and a half. That's probably the furthest I would go. I, I played it early at plus one and a half. Um, I also just said, you know, in my article, if you want to take just a team that's not going to lose and put it in a money line parlay with Utah to get them even money, you could do that with an Ohio state. You could do it with like a Michigan state on a Friday night. You can, you can get that down to even money with a, a massive favorite if you wanted to, um, but yeah, good O-line. Cam Rising's legit. He's got good pass catchers back. They have a very good running game back. Even with the loss of Devin Lloyd, they have a really good defense back. We'll see what Florida's going to be. You mentioned, you know, the cloud being gone with the coaching change. That still said, you know, Napier's stepping up to the big leagues now. First game against a top 10 team that I truly believe is a top 10 team. Um it's a tall order. I just think Utah is experienced that getting that Rose Bowl under their belt to end last year. Um, a great coach in Kyle Whittingham. Uh, I know some people are, are terrified of this one, of laying it a couple points with Utah, but I don't know anyone that's saying go with the Gators in this game. Um, I'm going to take the square side that's been bet up all summer and go with Utah. Yeah, it is a little scary when it seems like the entire world is is on the same side here. And, and look, this Utah team, to your point, I'm pretty exposed on them for the season. I mean, I my projections have them at over 10 wins, so Agreed. I definitely took over 8.5. Um, you know, to, to be, make the college football playoff was something I took a little piece of as well. I don't know if it happens necessarily, but, I mean, they're good enough to, to certainly be in that discussion. The only problem is they I think they have to win this game. So if they don't right. win this game, they cannot make the playoffs. So it was kind of taking Utah, you know, plus 500 to win this game almost, and then hope that they kind of take care of their affairs in the Pac-12, as they should, getting USC at home, maybe getting a rematch with USC right here in Vegas in the Pac-12 title game later on. Uh, I don't think Oregon is that great of a team. So I think the stage is kind of set for Utah. As far as this game goes, I'll sort of play devil's advocate here with a couple of concerns about Utah. The first one being... It's going to be hot and humid in Gainesville. Yep. That is not something that they're accustomed to. And we see a lot of these spots early on in the year. Teams playing in elevation, teams going and playing in a very sultry climate. BYU, South Florida, another example here coming up this weekend where teams can wear down a little bit in the second half, playing in those conditions that they're not really accustomed to. Rain could be a factor in this game as well. I saw there's a thunderstorm chance. It's Florida. There always is. But that would be the one big concern I'd have about Utah. The second one would be, we know what Utah is with Kyle Whittingham. We're not exactly sure what Florida will be with Anthony Richardson. You know, I mean, that's a kid that has a ton of potential. He hasn't really lived up to it yet. Maybe hasn't had the chance to fully live up to it yet with Emory Jones down there. But what will Billy Napier do with him? Will he be able to unlock Richardson's potential? I think those are two big questions. They're not really enough to make me think Utah loses this game. I bet this one earlier on, I had Utah minus three and a half in my power ratings. So I played this one over the summer, but I look at it now and it's a lot of people on Utah, no resistance, really no buyback necessarily on Florida yet. Does that come? But I think to your point, a good question is Billy Napier goes from Louisiana where Mark Hudspeth had a pretty good program. They were set up very nicely when Napier took over. Florida has talent, but they're just kind of a jumbled mess. So Napier's got a big, big ask here in Gainesville. 
We'll see what the initial returns are. I think Utah wins the game, but I think it's hard to bet, you know, if you're looking at minus three out there in the market now. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going past two and a half if I'm, you know, advising you at, at what point to stop betting this game. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm not, I thought maybe you were going to bring up the travel as one of your red flags. You didn't, I, I don't believe in these like spots in week, a week one or a week zero, kind of like a lot of people were concerned about Vandy going to Hawaii. If that was a week five game or something, then sure, it's in the middle of the season. You're in school. You got to do that travel you know, before classes really, and you've known all summer, you got to take this flight out to Florida. I'm not concerned about that. The heat, like you said, may be an issue. That'll be a little bit different. Um, you know, they're apparently practicing with, uh, you know, the heat on blast Utah. I heard, um, I would prefer they did what Vandy did and just go to Hawaii early way before the game. Cause you can, um, I don't know when they're going out there. I would love to see them out there like now. Um, so we'll see what happens there for the Utes. Um, Let's go to, uh, let's go, let me see. Do we have another Saturday one on here? Uh, no. So let's go to Cincinnati and Arkansas. Cincinnati, Arkansas. I did put that one on there. I'm going to go, let's talk Cincinnati and Arkansas because, you know, I, I wrote up, if I'm doing a money line parlay in week one, for me, it's Arkansas is going to be one of the legs um, that goes with a Thursday game that we'll get to. Um, I, I don't want to do too many of these early in the season because we still need to find out what teams are. But I look at Arkansas and what they've accomplished the last couple of years with Pittman. They're bringing back a lot of production, including uh, KJ Jefferson at, at quarterback. You got a team like Cincy that surprises us all, goes to the college football playoff, but you're losing, you know, you lose your quarterback in Ritter. Alec Pierce is kind of the, the go-to guy, the receiver in the nfl you lose that cornerback duo of of studs since he's going to be good but going on the road to a you know an sec road game in week one is a tall ask so we've seen this one you know it was at seven we've seen it get down as low as five and a half i think it's settled back at six and a half so there's some pushback in this game um in terms of the number I just don't see Cincy winning this game. Do you have, uh, what, first of all, I guess, what do your power ratings have this one, Adam? And do you have any thoughts on the game? I have this one lined at five. So I'm a little bit uh, lower okay. than, than what the market has here. If it gets back to seven, I may be interested in Cincinnati. I won't do anything here at six and a half. Uh, look, I, I think that Cincinnati making the college football playoff last year was affirmation of how good Cincinnati has been for a long time. Mm -hmm. And yes, they lost a ton of talent. They really, truly did. And it's tough for a group of five team to lose that much and come back and be decent the next season. You know, it's just very, very hard to do. But Luke Fickle has done an incredible job of recruiting at Cincinnati. They're even beating Ohio State out for some guys in state. Of course, Ohio State recruits across the nation. But, you know, Cincinnati's done a really good job of kind of replenishing the talent there. They bring in Ben Bryant back from Eastern Michigan, where he couldn't beat out Ritter for the job, understandably so, given the career that Ritter had, but he knows this offense. He knows what the Bearcats want to do here as he comes back into the program. So there may be a, a little bit more stability than what people realize with Cincinnati. That said, I do really like Arkansas. I mean, the reason why Arkansas, I, I have them around 7.2 wins, isn't because I dislike the team. It's because their schedule is absolutely miserable. So they always that's seem to have like either the hardest or a top five hardest schedule in the nation. 
Yeah, no, they, they do. And, and that's even with LSU potentially being down a little bit, Auburn being down a little bit and all that. They still have a very, very difficult schedule. I think Arkansas probably does ultimately win this game, but I think it helps Cincinnati and Luke Fickle that this is week one. If this was a week three non-conference game, something like that, where he had lost so much talent but didn't have all summer to prepare for this game, I think that's what would hurt Cincinnati a little bit more. So I guess it's going to be a really, really good football game, a very physical football game. I could see under 52 being a play here that comes through because Cincinnati doesn't have the dynamism in on offense that they had with Desmond Ritter. But I think they will stack up defensively. I think they can play in the trenches with Arkansas. So I kind of like under 52 here more than anything. But I think Cincinnati keeps this close. It's just a matter of how long they can keep it close from a spread standpoint. All right, let's move on to a couple of Thursday night games here. Um, We had Phil Steele on the podcast over the summer. He spoke to us about his number one surprise team in his magazine, the Pittsburgh Panthers. Producer Samir's Pittsburgh Panthers as he perks up on camera uh, as I see him on the podcast. West Virginia, the backyard brawl is back. It is at Pittsburgh, but it'll be a mixed crowd, of course, as we know. Um, this one, you know, early number was like five or so, then six, then six and a half. And now recently we've crossed seven and we're, we're seven and a half at DK Sportsbook. There's eights on the board. This one kind of reminds me of Utah, Florida a little bit in the sense of everyone's piling on pit. And we're yet to kind of, you know, there's people avoiding it saying, oh, I can't take that pit that publicly, but I don't see them pushing back on West Virginia yet. It's just pit or pass for most people. Um, you know, a lot of sharp contrarian guys that I know that, you know, if you sprinkle in a couple, a couple public plays pit at like, you know, six and a half, seven was one of those public plays that they're, they're on. Um, I haven't done anything with the number. I think that Pitt is a very good parlay piece, whether it be with an Arkansas, whether it be that with like a BC against a Rutgers. Like those were the teams that stuck out to me if you were going to do a two-team uh, money line parlay in um, week one. But I'm, I'm on Pitt. I have them over seven and a half and over eight wins flat on the season. I did take them at plus 300 to win the Coastal, beat out Miami there essentially. So you know, maybe not as high as Phil Steele spoke on them on the podcast earlier this summer, but this is, you know, a nine win type of team in, in my opinion. Um, how do you feel Adam about this, this opener against West Virginia? So my power ratings are a little high on Pitt. I have this game lined 11 and a half, but with that said, I'm not betting this game. I think okay. there are there are so many unknowns about this matchup. So let's look at the Pitt side first. Then we'll get to West Virginia here. So Pitt goes from Mark Whipple to Frank Signetti, right? So Pitt goes from essentially being a top 10 team in pass attempts last year to Signetti, who was at Boston College. They were 118th in pass attempts. So this is going to be a run-first offense with what has been an inefficient rushing attack over the last few years. Now, maybe part of that last year at Boston College had to do with Jerkovic getting hurt where Signetti right. just felt like he couldn't really throw the football a whole lot. But All 5-0 lineman back for Pitt as well. Yeah, I, look, I just – I'm not a big believer in running the football. I, I'm, you know, very analytics-driven type of guy. I, I like teams that throw the ball. You get, you know, bigger chunk plays. Um, you know, you can use the pass as an extension of the running game, swing plays, stuff like that. I don't love 
the idea of playing smash mouth football and just kind of lining up and running it right into somebody's defense. So I don't know what this pit offense is going to look like. I don't know how much they'll drop off. Obviously, there will be a drop off without Kenny Pickett. You know, does Keaton Slovis get to throw the football a whole lot in this offense? They're going to miss Jordan Addison very, very badly. He had 100 catches last year, almost 1,600 receiving yards. They're going to miss him. But then on the other side, you got West Virginia, who they can't run the football either. So what they did was they hired Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator. So now you have JT Daniels back with Graham Harrell, a throwback to their USC days, where now they're going to throw the football a lot. I don't know how that's going to go for them. I'm kind of in the camp that maybe JT Daniels isn't very good. You know, he's kind of bounced around the country. So I have no idea what happens offensively with either one of these teams. So I couldn't bet this game, even though my power ratings suggest to play it, even though my value is a little bit high on Pitt, maybe influenced by last year, I have no idea how efficient either one of these offenses are going to be. So this game will be kind of a fact-finding mission for me on Thursday night. I'm just trying to figure out what I can expect going forward from two offenses that will look dramatically different. Um, I, I promote DraftKings on a Tuesday night radio show called The Diehards on Sports Map Radio. We talk sports betting, um, and we have different guests on. We've had Brad Powers. We've had Kenny White. Uh, Brad Powers has has bet this game at five, six, and seven on the on the pit side. A, a big bet on on the seven actually. Kenny White has this game lined at sixteen. Um, a lot of the people I talk to, like you, have this game lined in, in double digits, um, but have a little bit of hesitation, which I think is interesting. So, like, we have this expectation of what it should be, but we need to kind of see it to believe it um, before actually actually wagering on this pit team. So, I, I think we're all kind of excited to see what this game looks like. A lot of sharp money came on the under, which was 54. I think it's down to, like, 51 now, which goes into what you were saying, if Pitt's going to run the ball and if West Virginia is going to pass it but not be that good at passing it, that kind of plays towards that under right there. Um, uh, the other big Thursday night game I want to talk about, uh, I've taken the three and a half with Purdue at home as a, uh, a home dog. I want that hook. It's at minus 115 as we record on DK Sportsbook. I see this one going to three. Um uh, a little bit of a Penn State fade. They kind of they were right on the the fringe of breaking out last year, and then just completely collapsed down the stretch. Partly due to scheduling and and the injury to Clifford in in one of those games. So like not all their fault, but not a great finish uh, for James Franklin. And that comes against a Purdue. Now it comes against a Purdue team that was was really good last year. And they lose a good receiver in Bell. They obviously lose a first round edge rusher. That's all going to add up, but. I just have the. I'm curious to see where where your power ratings have this game because I have these two teams pretty similar. So kind of like that Illinois Indiana game. If you're going to give me a field goal and a and the hook with the the home team, I'm 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 going there. So I actually have this game line Penn State minus six. So I'm, I'm a little bit higher on the Nittany Lions in the market, and also seeing this number move against me, which you know that's an important thing. I, I don't know how many listeners out there make their own numbers or or have sets of power ratings, but. When I notice a line moving against me early in the year, it's very telling for me. So I pay very close attention to those games to kind of see how they play out because I have not bet Penn State yet in this spot. Mm -hmm. I think that it's another scenario where you've got a lot of questions with both teams. You know, as you mentioned, Purdue, heavy losses on the defensive side. They lose Bell with a pass-first offense with Aiden O'Connell. They're going to have to figure out who's going to be the guy that, you know, makes up the production for Bell. On the other hand, 
Penn State's missing a huge receiver of their own in Jahan Dotson, who had, what, 90-something catches last year, 91, almost 1,200 receiving yards. And Sean Clifford was good last year until he got hurt. And if you remember, they should have beaten Iowa in that game that they lost 20-18. to They just had a horrific second half. I think there was a pick six mixed in there, something like that. But after Clifford left the game, I mean, they were a shell of themselves. The next week, they played Illinois, lost in nine overtimes because nobody could score a two-point conversion. It was one of the worst football games I've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life. But I think Penn State, when healthy, is a pretty decent team. With that said, I do not like betting on James Franklin. James Franklin is a horrific in-game coach. He's a good recruiter. He's a good motivator. I've seen some things on the sideline I've really liked from him before, but I've also seen a lot of things in the fourth quarter that I do not like whatsoever. A lot of them against my Ohio State Buckeyes, where they've given games away against Ohio State. So I usually just can't bet James Franklin with any measure of confidence. I will not be doing it here, but I am curious to see what happens with these two offenses, particularly having to replace guys that had very significant target shares and catch shares last season. All right, let's, uh, well, actually, one more plug here for the VEASAN betting guide, because I will say you mentioned your power ratings and you're paying attention kind of to what it means in week one. And you mentioned, you know, other people, if they're making their own, if you're not making your own, and I don't, I'm not smart enough to, um, you actually in the betting guide, I think, kind of lay out how you would go about doing that, correct? Yeah, so I have an article. It's actually a free piece over at vcin.com about how to put together your own set of college football power ratings. And it's it's very basic. I know you mentioned Brad Powers. He's got spreadsheet on top of spreadsheet on top of spreadsheet for his power ratings. But he's one of the guys I learned from. I've been friends with him for, for about a decade now. Uh, he's one of the guys I learned from in terms of making initial sets of power ratings. Brian Leonard, Ralph Michaels as well. Uh, it's just a very basic set, kind of ranking the position groups by national strength by conference strength, then being able to come up with a team value that you can then use applying home field advantage to put together your own game spreads. And the thing for me, Julian, and I've always been like this, I want to teach. I want to tell people how and why instead of what. So I'm doing a daily or a weekly article over at vcin.com on Sunday night into Monday with my power ratings, with my process for updating them, teams I've moved up, teams I've moved down, all my game spreads, the reasons why I've moved these teams around because I know my power ratings aren't perfect. Nobody's power ratings are perfect. It's an inexact science. It's based on some measure of opinion, but also kind of on how you adjust throughout the course of the season. So that's a piece I'm very proud of that'll go up every Monday over at vcin.com where, you know, it's, it's meant to kind of show you where I think lines should be and kind of find some power ratings plays that make sense early on in the week, but also just to educate and inform people about, how to be able to do this for themselves, even if they just do it conference by conference instead of all 131 teams, just to have a better idea and also to avoid overreaction. You know, we talked about week zero and some of the lines that have moved as a result of some of those games. You know, you'll have some people that are going to adjust teams eight, nine, 10 points based off of one data point, And that's just going to be too much. So power ratings keep you grounded as well, which is kind of the function that I use them for early on in the season. All right, let's. Uh, we're probably going a little long, so let's let's rapid fire through the uh, Sunday and Monday primetime games, and then I'll just get you out of here on a couple of quick fire questions, if you will. Um, I laid two and a half with LSU in New Orleans against FSU. It's up to three. 
everyone's on LSU. Um, little scary. Brian Kelly coached against FSU in this Sunday night primetime game last year. Notre Dame won in overtime. FSU covered. Um, this one, I just think SEC talent. Like, there's still good talent there. I love uh, the the quarterback at LSU. Daniels, uh, I think, has a lot of potential. Um, good pass catchers. And I'm not sure about FSU. So, I'm... I'm Laying the two and a half, I think it's up to three. I would go with LSU. Uh, any any quick thoughts on the Sunday night game? So I'm doing a Tuesday college football podcast for Visa and with Tim Murray, and Tim Murray's a big Notre yep. Dame fan, and um, I believe he said before we recorded last week that Brian Kelly has won outright forty of the last forty one games as a favorite, something like that, when he was at Notre Dame. I guess last loss as a favorite was like late 2017 or 2016, something wow. like that. So he's in a favorite role here. And I know some people that are high on Florida State. I don't know how good Jordan Travis actually is. Yeah. I really liked Mike Norvell at Memphis. I don't know. I think people kind of underestimate how bad Florida State was when he got there. They were not recruiting well. The offensive line was pathetic. Um, you know, they should show some improvement this year. But I also think LSU – you know, with Ed Orgeron gone, kind of that cloud hanging over the program, sort of gone. They've moved on from that. LSU could actually be pretty good this year. My line on this game on a pure neutral field would be two at the Superdome, probably three, three and a half, maybe as high as four. It should be a pro LSU crowd in this one. So I think the number is about right, but I could see a scenario in which LSU ends up looking really good in this game. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, Monday night game, kind of a snoozer. If it was Saturday afternoon, nobody would be watching. They'd just kind of check and see how many points Clemson beats Georgia Tech by. Um, Georgia Tech, a team I'm on the under three and a half win total, by the way. I think they're a two and ten team. They got one gimme on the schedule. I'll give them a win and I'll give them a win over Duke. I don't see where two others are coming from. If they get one other upset in there, they're three and nine and you still cash that ticket. I don't know what to do with this game from a betting standpoint. I think the takeaway is going to be, you know, I, I would look at if the first half team total for Georgia Tech is like a seven, seven and a half. I don't think they're getting more than a touchdown. I think this is a game for Clemson to kind of say, everybody's going to be watching. It's Monday night football. Let's show that we have the best defense in the country and let's show that Clemson's back and let's see if we can win this game 49, nothing or, or whatever. Um any anything you're looking for in this game? It's kind of more of a transition to a couple of rapid fire fu uh, futures questions. I'm going to get to you on the way out, so I'll put it to you this way: Is Clemson going to be back this year? Well, how quickly does Kid Klubnik take over a quarterback? That, that's that's my question too. not a that's DJ going to be the answer. Right yeah, I, I'm not a DJ Uyunglele fan either. And look, I think to that point, I think the fact that Clemson was very non-committal about Klubnik playing in this Week One game that. We saw a move down on the total for this one. It happened just today. It happened just this morning. Pretty significant move at that, dropping down from about 53 to 51, uh, not long before we started recording this. So maybe the expectation is that Klubnik isn't going to play here, um, which is kind of interesting. I mean, I would definitely put him out there. But I guess maybe Dabo doesn't want the quarterback controversy right away. We'll kind of wait and see how that all plays out. But that's the thing. I mean, Clemson's defense will still be fine. I know Brent Venables is gone, but – there's still a ton of talent there with that group. His right-hand man kind of takes over as the defensive coordinator. So I'm not necessarily worried about a drop-off there. But at some point, 
all of this assistant coach attrition for Clemson is going to take hold. So this may be the last year I look at them and say, man, this is a you know legitimate top five, top six, top eight team. I think they kind of start to fall back a little bit unless Cade Klubnik is the guy. If he's kind of the next Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. then Clemson has another four years of doing what they've been doing. If he's not, I think Clemson becomes kind of vulnerable in the ACC a little bit. So it'll be fascinating to see. We won't learn much about them from this game, I don't think. But I just think long-term looking at Clemson is – a really interesting situation. Okay, uh, let's let's do some a few rapid fire before we get you out of here, Adam. Um, is there a a favorite uh, division winner or or conference winner that's still left on the board that you think has any value? And just a, a brief reason on why. So I think a division winner that's kind of intriguing. You know, I talked about I really like the uh, the group of five conferences. I think South Alabama could be really good this year. South Alabama is about six to one to win the Sun Belt West division. The East is stacked and the West is terrible. The only other good team really for me is Louisiana. And obviously, you know, they've got a coaching change. Their all-time program leading passer is gone and Levi Lewis. Uh, you know, they've had a little bit of turnover at other positions as well. I think South Alabama could be extremely good. Very experienced at quarterback. I love Kane Womack as the head coach. He'll move on to a bigger job here soon. Major Applewhite is a pretty good offensive coordinator. They do lose Jalen Tolbert, which is a problem, but I think South Alabama could be good. So it's six to one to win the Sun Belt West. I think that's a really strong, uh, you know, plus money gamble there. I assume over five and a half wins then has to be a, a play for you. I've seen a lot of people on that, sharp people. I like over five and a half. I think it was four and a half actually over the summer, but it's gone up to five and a half. So I, I still like it at five and a half. I have them a, a little bit over six wins, but also there was a conference wins prop. I think it was three and a half, four and a half uh, that I that I do like as well. Or yeah, conference wins prop that I do like as well. Favorite win total still left on the board. Well, there's a few of them that I still like. I still think Utah over eight and a half is a good one. Even if they lose this game this week, I, I still think that they're in very good shape with that one. I still like Air Force over. Uh, despite the cut block rule change I mentioned earlier, I think Air Force is really, really good. And I don't think the rest of the Mountain West uh, division, Mountain division is all that good. I think Boise State falls back a little bit this year. So I like Air Force over. Uh, but my favorite one, mentioned the Sun Belt East being so good. Georgia Southern under four and a half. So they're transitioning from running an option offense to running a West Coast offense where they've got Western Kentucky's former co-offensive coordinator, Brian Ellis, in there with Clay Helton. They are not equipped for this at all whatsoever. It's a massive schematic change, and they're in a very, very tough division where they play App State, Coastal, Marshall, Old Dominion, Georgia State, a bunch of pretty good teams there in the Sun Belt. So Georgia Southern under four and a half. It's a little juicy, but I don't see any way this team makes it to five wins. What do you do? You have a projection on them from your power ratings? Let's see. I think I'll, it was, it was in you, the three I'll give you range. A um, a three point one seven. Say it again. Three point one seven, and then went to right, four and a half. Pretty decent margin right there. Um, all right, your who wins the Heisman? Well, I think C.J. Stroud wins the Heisman. Uh, I, I just I didn't ask you I, I don't, value. I just asked you who won it, and I agree. But go ahead. Give the bet if you're going to go with a deep shot because I know that's where you're going. I, I just – like we said, I think they score over 40 points per game. And it's just – you know, I, I think one that's kind of weird, and I didn't play this, and I guess I understand the thought process. I know why people have played Jameer Gibbs at Alabama, 
but like Bryce Young's going to throw for close to 5,000 yards again, probably. Like, I don't really see Jameer Gibbs putting up numbers that overshadow what Bryce Young's going to do. So that's one of the long shots that I've kind of scratched my head about a little bit. But one I do think is interesting, I think he's still out there in the 30-1 to range. He was 40-1 to earlier on in the offseason. Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. You know, Dylan Gabriel was with offensive coordinator Jeff Lebby at UCF. They're going to play with a very fast tempo. I like Oklahoma there in the Big 12. I think they're the best team in that conference, and I think that they wind up winning it. So if Oklahoma goes, say, 11-1 and and Gabriel winds up putting up huge numbers, I could see a path in which he's at least talked about in that discussion. And if something happens with Stroud or Young or Travion Henderson or Jameer Gibbs kind of take away some production, something like that, Dylan Gabriel may be there to kind of get in that discussion. So at 30-1, to I don't think that's a bad one. And, of course, look, if he plays, Cade Klubnik is you know still triple digits out there. Uh, if he's the real deal, I mean, Clemson should win that conference and would be a playoff team if Cade Klubnik is that good. I sprinkled on that Klubnik, and I have some uh, some Cam Rising eighty five to one. Um, you, this, by the way, in the Veasan uh, betting guide, I'm not sure if you were one of them. You can tell me. Five of the six of you that predicted the college football playoff teams had Utah in it. Were you the one that did not? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I, I think I did put Utah in it, um, but I, I think, you know, it's Utah, Oklahoma, or Clemson. I, I don't see anybody else being in that discussion. Okay. Um, final one for you right here before we get out of here, Adam. Who wins it all? I look, I, I said at the top of the show, I am an Ohio State fan, but objectively speaking, I mean, if Jim Knowles fixes the defense, the Buckeyes should win it all. There you go. I, I mean, I, I got Ohio State and Alabama playing in that game, and uh, I have bets on both of them already, and I've used a chunk of free play on both of them already because I think it has to be one of those two, and uh, I hope that we get the game. I hope for some reason they're not matched up early due to a seeding thing or there's an injury and one of them gets knocked off or whatever. I'm, I'm praying that we we get that game to finish the college football season. I, I think there's something important that needs to be mentioned here too, and this is something that – you can still think about now, but it's something to think about down the line. So I believe the two semifinals this year, one is in Atlanta and one is in uh, Glendale. So they'll put Alabama in Atlanta and they'll put Ohio State in Glendale. So they shouldn't play each other in the semifinal because right. the committee can they can morph that any way they want to. Title game is in Los Angeles at SoFi, but keep that in mind in the future for semifinals, thinking about how the college football playoff committee is going to stack this thing. They will not put Ohio State against Alabama in Atlanta or something like that. They're going to split those two teams up if they play to their expectations. So that's another reason to think that that should be the title game. It would be stunning if they played in the semifinal. All right, real quick, odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. That is the Unreasonable Odds Week 1 College Football Podcast with Adam Burke from VEASAN. You can follow him on Twitter, at Skating Tripods. You can follow me, Julian Edlow, on Twitter, at Julian Edlow. And, of course, the podcast, at Unreasonable Odd, no S. Um, we will be back next week to start our NFL Week 1 coverage. Looking forward to that. Um, Adam, any last couple of things going on at VEASAN that you want to plug before we, we get out of here? 
Yeah, like I said at the top, we got a lot of great stuff going on. We just changed around our subscription offerings. We just changed around our programming schedule as well. So you're going to hear a lot from our experts. We've got some proprietary stuff behind our paywall that we're really going to focus on uh, as we go forward here, including those college football power ratings that I mentioned. Um, but, you know, it's a it's a great opportunity to go over there and check out what's going on. We we just changed around our paywall a little bit. So you'll get X number of free articles to take a look and see what we've got going on before you actually commit. So I think that's a really nice feature that we've got going on over there as well. So uh, plenty of good stuff for you to check out over at the website. I'll be around all season long, but a lot of the other people that are over there do a lot of fine work as well. There you go. You can get all the college football content you need over at VSIN. I will have uh, some college football articles on the DraftKings playbook as well. Um, and of course, coverage here on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Um, thank you, Adam, for, uh, for being our guest here, sticking on with us for a while, breaking down week one. And uh, good luck cashing those tickets, guys. We'll be back uh, to talk some week one NFL next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.